Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Let me jump right in. I read an interesting article this week. It really surprised me, uh, and it shocked me, frankly. It was released by the Chamber of Commerce here in Richmond, and the city of Richmond, come to find out, is ranked the fourth loneliest city in America. Yeah, I was surprised. It made me feel lonely just reading it. Amen. (laughs) Data from the United States Census Bureau revealed that more than 36 million Americans live in this country in single-person households. Amen. That's a lot of people. And in order to determine the loneliest cities, they evaluated data from more than 170 cities that had a minimum population of at least 150,000 people. And Richmond earned the number four spot because 40% of homes in Richmond are being led by one-person households. I'm not going to lie. I was shocked. I was shocked at the data. Richmond also ranks, are you ready for this? We are the number one loneliest city in America for women. With more than 25% of women living alone. Now, the silver lining to that cloud is, is if you are a single man, you're in the right city, my brother. Amen. Because 25% of the ladies are living alone. Amen. So don't give up the fight. Amen. Be encouraged, my brother. Amen. Be encouraged. But with so many people being alone, and I, I am, I'm not joking, I really was surprised. With so many people being alone, and especially alone in our city, I think it's imperative as the church, as the body of Christ, to be a place where people can get connected and find life-giving, meaningful relationships. Amen. Now, I'm switching gears a little bit. I'm going to be doing a little bit more teaching today uh, than last Sunday when I was preaching. But I believe that we have an obligation to help people find meaningful connections. We do. Now, here's what I know. We can't force it to happen. Amen. But we can help facilitate it. Now, if you go back to the book of Genesis, the Lord confronted one man, Cain, about the status of his brother who, uh, tragically, Cain had just murdered his brother Abel. And here's what the Lord asked him in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 9. It said, then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied, amen. That might have been the first documented lie in the Bible, amen. And then he asked this question, though, am I my brother's keeper? And I love this verse from the contemporary English version. It says this, afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is Abel? How should I know, he answered. Am I supposed to look after my brother? Am I supposed to look after my brother. And that's what I want to preach about today. Looking after my brother. Looking after my brother. Because I believe we are supposed to be looking out for one another. Amen. Matter of fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, hey, am I supposed to be looking after you? (laughs) Amen. (laughs) If they say no, then you might need to look after them. Amen. 
Now, I already told you, Richmond, apparently, we're ranked the fourth loneliest city in America, number one for women. But there was also a study done by the American Council of Life Insurance, and they reported that the loneliest group in America are actually college students. Now, that might surprise you. Maybe it doesn't surprise you. But, you know, you would, your first reaction would be to think, well, when you're surrounded by hundreds and thousands of your peers, that would seemingly help cure that. But it just goes to show you that being in a crowd is not the same thing as being connected. By the way, the same applies to churches. You can be in a crowd in this room, and that does not mean that you are connected. As a matter of fact, I've kind of come to the conclusion that the bigger the crowd, the easier it is to fall through the cracks. Now, I, I remember when I was a Christian, when I was a new Christian, I just turned 16 years old. Our church was really small, not even about 30 people. I don't know how many people were in it. It was small. And the one thing I know about small churches, they are great, and they're not great. Amen. We knew everybody and everybody's business. On any given Sunday, if you were at church, God bless you. If you were not, we were all looking around wondering, where is Davina today? <laughs> and on Sunday night after church, not only did we want to see you at church, we wanted you to go out to Hardy's with us after church. And then we get over there to Hardy's. Yeah, we, we, hadn't, we didn't have Friendly's money at the time, Joe. Amen. But, but we worked our way on up to Friendly's. Amen. And then you'd, well, you'd be at Friendly's and be like, hey, why didn't so-and-so come? Amen. Because there's just this close-knit community among small groups of believers. And generally speaking, in America, why is it that with so much that we have access to, why is it that we are one of the loneliest places in all of the world? You know, generally speaking, you know, you might graduate from high school or you get your GED, you move away from home and you go to college or you go to work. By the way, young adults, that still is the plan. Amen. Amen. After you get out of high school, you're supposed to get a job or go to school. Can all the parents say amen? Amen. 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 You move away. Maybe you switch jobs a few times. And by the way, there's nothing inherently wrong with this process, by the way. But what it does do, it separates families and alienates people more than ever before. And then when you add to this the high divorce rate that we have in this country, the low level of commitment typically that we have to our fellow man, no wonder people are so lonely. Cultural changes have impacted things too. For example, you may not know this, but this is a reflection of where we are. Did you know over the last decade, concert attendance has been steadily declining? Because people don't just want to go and get lost in a crowd. But did you know what has been on the increase the last decades? A coffee houses. Now, I'm going to put in a shameless plug for the local cup. And if you're watching, Christian, I need a free cup of coffee for this. Amen. Amen. But the local cup, it's my favorite place to get coffee in town. It happens to be right here in Mechanicsville. They're right over there in the Food Line Shopping Center. If you go by there, tell them, say, Buddy Thompson from Life Church said, come check you out. But they just recently, they tore down the wall between them and the store next to them, more than doubled their capacity. And I went by there a couple weeks ago, and the place was packed. Not lined up in chairs. But everybody was huddled up in circles of two and three and four. And the reason is people want to be 
connected. Amen. By the way, we worship in lines, but our lives are changed in circles. Our lives are changed in circles. Amen. And the culture demonstrates this. For example, one of the most popular TV shows ever was a series called Friends. And I'm not endorsing it or condemning it. That's not my place. But the whole storyline was about five or six friends. And almost every episode took place either in a coffee house or an apartment. Because they were just trying to do life together. There was another popular show when I was growing up that was called Cheers. Anybody know that, story, that, that TV show? That was based on a group of friends. And they were all, their lives were intertwined around a local bar. And the lyrics of their theme song, I'm not going to sing it to you, by the way. But I think the lyrics to the song still ring true today. Here's what the words were for their theme song. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. You want to go where people know people are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. How many of you just like to occasionally be somewhere where somebody knows your name? Amen. Can I just tell you that the place to find friends and develop real community, it shouldn't have to be at the local bar. Come on. It ought to be able to be at the local church. Come on. The body of Christ. Amen. Now, you look around in a building like this uh, with hundreds of people. Is everybody going to know your name? No. Probably not. But everybody can know your name in a small group or on a dream team. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. They not only will know your name, but they'll say your name throughout the week in prayer. They'll bake you a cake on your birthday. Come on, they'll rejoice with you when you rejoice. They will weep with you when you weep. Some people live their lives relationally, though, like it's an endless game of keep away. I don't know why. You know, for whatever reason, you just keep people at arm's length and, and you never let anybody in. Then there's other people, and if I can just say it and be blunt, some people are just too lazy to pay the price for friendships. Come on. Man, you'd rather just sit at home on the computer or sit and watch TV or just stare at your phone all day. And then you say you're too tired to leave the house. I don't have enough time during the week to develop community or friendships, then those same people will blame the church. Yeah, they're so unfriendly at that church. Everybody's in a clique at that church. Amen. Well, why don't you make you a few friends and start your own clique? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> we talk about cliques like they're bad. They're only bad if they won't let you in. Cliques are just a group of people that have a common connection and they like each other. And they get along, and they build each other up. But I'm telling you, as a country and as a church, we've got to help deal with this epidemic of loneliness. And I'm going to tell you, uh, and, and culture hasn't helped. All the COVID shutdown nonsense, it did not help us as a culture. You don't have to agree with me, and I'm just telling you the truth, amen? All the anti-social media, it's created subcultures that are not even real, and people don't know how to connect with real people. 
Amen. People have social anxiety. Amen. Now the big wave is all these virtual reality games. I got a better idea. Take your goggles off and go out in the grass and play football with somebody. <laughs> Take your goggles off and go have a cuppy at the lo local cup and tell them Buddy Thompson sent you. Amen. <laughs> See, I believe that we as real followers of Jesus Christ, we've got to answer that question. Am I responsible for my brother? That's why bars and clubs are full on weekends and a lot of churches are empty. I'm just telling it like it is. Amen? Because people aren't making meaningful connections. People are looking for relationships. And you know what? Sometimes because they can't find the real thing. We talked about the real thing last week, the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? But you know, because they can't find that, they're deadening their pain with alcohol. Or they're hooking up with somebody that they met at the bar for a one-night stand. Amen. Or they're partying with people, and then they're getting messed up on drugs. Can I just tell you right now, ask any alcoholic, ask any drug addict, ask any adulterer who lost his marriage if that is the long-term solution that you're looking for. It's not. Amen. According to statistics uh, on the campaign to end loneliness.org, I looked this up this week. Loneliness will increase your risk of death by 26%. Loneliness, living alone and having poor social connections are as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Loneliness is worse for you than obesity, amen. Loneliness and social isolation are associated with an increased risk of coronary heart disease and stroke. Loneliness increases the risk of high blood pressure. Loneliness and social isolation put you at greater risk for cognitive decline and dementia, amen. Half a million people in this country over the age of 50 said that they go at least five or six days a week without speaking to anyone at all. Wow. Well over half, 59% of those aged 85 and over and 38% of those aged 75 to 84 live totally alone. Two-fifths of older people, almost 4 million, say the television is their main company. Folks, we, we got to fix this. Amen? I think we get the picture. God's desire is for you and I to experience community. Amen? Around here, we like to say the real community is hanging out with a purpose. Not just hanging out, but hanging out with a purpose. And when we come to church, you know what? Like today, we're hanging out for a spiritual purpose. We're worshiping. We're hearing the word of God. We're fellowshipping with one another. Some of us came and we're serving. We're using our gifts for the glory of God. All of that is so important. But we've got to ask ourselves, outside of 90 minutes or 60 minutes or 75 minutes on a Sunday, how often during the week do I get together with people for a spiritual purpose? I mean, think about it. It's an important question because how many hours are you at work? How many hours are you at school? How many hours are you at home? And they, they uh, dealt with this, and the early church sets a great example, I think, for us. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46. It says, the believers met together in the temple every day. They ate together in their homes, happy to share their food with joyful hearts, they praised God and were liked by all the people. Amen. Every day the Lord added those who were being saved to the group of believers. Here we have the first church 
and they were rapidly growing. They were on fire. The Holy Spirit was moving. But we also see them in a group of real followers that were committed to one another, committed to true community. I love what it says. It says they ate together in their homes. They went to church together. They were happy to share their foods with joyful hearts. Amen. They praised God and were liked by all the people. That's the part I like. You know what? If you have happy people that are worshiping together, that are connecting at home together, that are breaking bread together, guess what? They're going to be a likable bunch of people. I've always thought it was a tragic indictment when people don't like Christians. Now, they might not like your theology. But I think they ought to always like you as a person. You say, well, pastor, that's not realistic. Well, maybe that's not, but it's something we ought to strive for. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. See, some people, it's not that they dislike Jesus. They dislike the way you represent Jesus. Oh, come on now. But the early church was not just a social club. They were not just a group of Christians that were just hanging out. They worshiped together. They ate together. They laughed together. They cried together. And you know what else they did together? Because they did all that, verse 33 said they were witnesses to signs and wonders together. Because God blessed their unity and their fellowship and their camaraderie. Amen. And folks, that's one of the reasons why we have small groups at this church. And we call them life groups. Not just to enjoy each other's company, and we do. Not just to enjoy some tasty snacks, and we do. I mentioned in the first service, you come to my Monday night group. I'm always happy when I see Cheryl Simpson walk in my front door, because I know she's going to have a tray of goodies. Come on, kids, he's bearing witness. Hallelujah. Amen. We're like, Hey, we're really glad y'all are here, but is Cheryl coming tonight? Amen. <laughs> Amen. We have good snacks. Amen. We have good fellowship. Not just to bear one another's burdens, because we do, but we grow in relationship with God and with each other. What greater way to look out for your brother than to look out for his spiritual growth? And see, I think sometimes, guys, that's part of the thing that we forget is that relationships are not just about what do I get out of this, but there's the responsibility that we have to also pour in to other people. Amen. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 44 and 45. Look at something else they share. It says, all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, I'm not suggesting you go out and sell your house and join a commune. Amen. I'm not saying that. This was a different culture. It was a different day. But I think the principle still remains. Our caring and sharing sometimes has to go beyond nice words, and, and it might even affect our pocketbooks, right? Maybe, you're, maybe you prepare a meal for somebody, or you cut their grass, or you do something. We love and look out for one another. Amen. Paul called the donations that churches made to the other people of the churches the fellowship. Amen. And we call it looking out for my brother. I love verse 44. All the believers were together. Together. Amen. They were together. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, amen, there is liberty. And where the Spirit of the Lord shows up most of the time is where there is unity. Amen. 
The scripture says, verse 46 and 47, they worshiped together in the temple and in the home. They broke bread together, both communion and just eating regular meals. Amen. It's important to break bread together. Amen. People joke about Christians always talking about eating together. But you know what? There's more that happens at the table than just taking in food. We share our lives. Amen. Come on. We share our pains. We share our triumphs. We share our struggles. We listen to one another. We rejoice with one another. We cry with one another. We pray with one another. It says of the early church of Acts that everyone was filled with awe because all the believers were together. And you know what the results were of that kind of lifestyle and that kind of church? Acts 2.47, it says this. They praised God and were liked by all the people. And every day, what happened? The Lord added those who were being saved to the group of believers. They found favor with God. They found favor with man. And the Lord prospered and grew that group of believers. They enjoyed it. You know... I've had people ask me before, Pastor, can't you be a Christian without going to church? Well, yes, you can. You can. You become saved not by going to church, but by going to the cross. Can the church say amen to that? But here's what I also know. You might technically be a Christian without going to church, but you will never mature. You will never persevere in the faith without having consistent Christian community in your life. It's important. I read a story about a young man one time. He was fed up with his church. He was tired of all the issues. So he went to see one of the old wise saints. The guy had a cabin. It was in the wintertime. He went there to get some advice. So he went to meet with this old gentleman. He said, look, he said, I'm going to tell you. I want to tell you all the stuff that's bothering me about the church and how I feel. And then I'm just going to let you know I'm leaving that church. And I don't really think I need to be around other Christians. So the old man just sat there and listened. And as he was speaking, that old man, he took the fire tongs. And he reached into that fire, and he pulled out this red, hot, glowing coal from the middle of the fire. And he just sat it on the edge of the hearth. And without saying a word, they just stared. And that coal glowed bright for a while. But eventually began to dim, and it turned black. And the old man just let it sit there for a long time. And then he took the tongs, and he picked it back up. And he set it back up next to the fire. And within just a few minutes, that piece of coal started getting bright again. Started getting, started glowing again. And the young man just sat there watching and he got the message. See, because when you disconnect from the body, your fire is going to eventually burn out. Amen. We've got to stay connected to the body. It's important that we understand we need each other. Ecclesiastes 4 and 9 says this, two people are better off than one. Why? They can help each other when succeed. And if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I love what C.S. Lewis said, and I quote, he said, Christ works on us in all sorts of ways, but above all, he works on us through each other. How many of you will admit that Christ works on you? through other people. 
Come on, sometimes it's good. <laughs> sometimes it ain't so good, amen? Sometimes pe people will pluck on your last nerve, and the Holy Ghost is testing you to see how you're going to respond. Sometimes people will get a blessing that you wanted to get. And the Holy Spirit will see if you can rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Or if you just rise up with a look. Come on. There is a reason why God puts people in our lives. Sometimes we need iron to sharpen iron. Sometimes we need to pray for people that are struggling. And we need to rejoice with them when God gives them the victory. We've got to look out for one another. I love Romans 15 and 1 from the message. It said this. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. Paul, that's right out of the book. You're strong. Man, you're so spiritual. Great. Step in there and help somebody when they falter. And I love this. It says, and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Woo, man, that's a powerful verse. And now look at verse 2. Each one of us needs to look out, uh, look after the good of the people surrounding us, asking ourselves, how did you get in such a jam like that? No, how can I help? <laughs> how in the world? They, they, they just keep doing that over and over again. They just keep falling in that trap. They keep stepping in that hole. They keep making those poor decisions. And you know what we got to keep doing? Come on. Come on. I know we've been down this road before. I, when are you ever going to learn? But I love you anyway. Come on. I love you anyway. Yeah, you need help with that. You know what? I'm gonna, I know a small group that will help you. Oh, you don't want to sign up for Oh, you don't want help. You want sympathy, but you don't want help. You want somebody to feel sorry for you. You don't want them to help lift you. Come on, somebody. See, sometimes we got to lift up other people, and then sometimes we've got to be willing to let other people lift us up and help us and point us in the right direction. We've got to look out for our brothers. And I love verse 3. I'm not through with that verse. It says, that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles. He waded right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled is the way the scripture puts it. And folks, that's what a New Testament church should look like. We take on the troubles of the troubled. Paul told the church in Rome that the strong ought to help the weak. Galatians 6 verse 1 and 9, uh, verse, uh, verse, chapter 6 verse 1, ebita, 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 amen, <laughs> says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should. And we always, when, when you see a scripture like that, you are godly should. You need to stop and pause and analyze what's getting ready to be said. And then after you read it, you need to reflect and say, how am I doing this? How can I do it? That's what studying the Bible is, by the way. You'd be better off to read two verses a day and process it and reread it and then say, how can I do this? Come on. But look at this verse. Who, you who are godly should what? Gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. You don't have to thump your Thompson Chain Bible at them. 
You don't have to whack the Strong's Concordance at them. You just pick them up and you love them and you help bring them back into the fold. See, that's a part of this whole thing that I think sometimes we forget about and why I want to talk about this. It's not just what I can get out of the relationship. What can I get out of the group? What can I get out of serving on the team? But it's what is God calling me to do that will contribute to the health and welfare of someone else. That will contribute to the strength of the body of Christ. That will help some of those 40% of households in my city that are lonely and trying to do it all by themselves. Amen. I got convicted when I read that article, by the way. And I'm right now in the process of praying, God, you didn't just show that to me for a sermon. You showed that to me because you want to challenge this church to figure out a way to meet, reach out to that targeted and marginalized group of people. Can somebody say thank you, Jesus? <laughs> Amen. We got to do our part. So I ask questions like, hey, bro, how you doing spiritually? Where have you been? I missed you at church. How's your relationship with God? The early church was knit together that way. So it's God's will that we join and connect with one another. And I mentioned to you, there's, we try to help facilitate that here at Life Church. We can't make you do it, but real quickly, and I only do this two times a year, by the way, but today is one of those Sundays. I want to tell you, two of the ways we do that here is through our life groups and our dream teams. Our small groups and our dream teams. We want you to be connected in this church. We want you to find a way to connect with other people. Our life groups, we have a wide variety of groups. We have study groups. We have prayer groups. We have support groups. We have young adult groups, married groups, men's groups, ladies' groups. We have outdoor groups, athletic groups. Amen. And it's important because we want to give you a chance to meet godly people and connect to them and grow. We call them free market small groups and because guess what? If nobody signs up for a group, the free market has determined whether that group was needed at this time or not. Amen. It's a whole lot like the economy. Amen. If a restaurant is selling something nobody wants, the restaurant closes down. Go where the people are eating. Amen. That's right. So we have our groups, and then also we have dream teams. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that today, but I have learned that one of the most powerful ways to grow a community is to serve with other people. Amen. Remember the scripture said from Romans, strength is for service, not status. Amen. And when we serve with other people, there's a bond of connection that takes place and a bond. And sometimes it's in the church. Sometimes it's outside of church. Some of you volunteer for good organizations in this city. I commend you for that. Amen. We ought to be serving, not just in the body, but outside of the body. Amen. But if you're not serving anywhere, start in the body because we need a lot of help in a lot of areas. And God can use your gifts for the glory of the body of Christ. Amen. I want the praise team to come and the musicians. The question that Cain asked God has echoed throughout time. And it has echoed throughout every church ever since her existence. Am I supposed to watch over my brother? Am I my brother's keeper? The answer is undeniable. And what's the answer? Yes. Yes. And the Lord has helped us do that by setting us, us up as a body connected to each other. Each member having its own function and its own purpose. And the body is always handicapped when a part of the body 
is not functioning at its capacity. See, it's always sad when people find the Lord and they begin to serve Him, but they drift away over a period of time. Why does that happen, by the way? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but most of them did not do what I've preached about today. They didn't develop community. They didn't get connected. They just stood on the sidelines until they didn't feel loved or wanted. By the way, that's what the devil will do. You hang around on the peripheral long enough, and eventually the enemy will jump right on your shoulder and start whispering in your ear, those people don't love you. Those people don't care about you. That pastor doesn't even know your name. Those people in that group, they're just greeting you at the door because that's what they're supposed to do. That's their job. No, 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 no. The devil will do that. He will pounce on you. And the whole time, you know what the Lord is saying? Come on, just get connected. There's some good people in the body. There's some good people that will love you. There's some good people. And guess what? You've also got a lot of gifts that they need. You might look at that sheet right now and go, well, there's no group that I'm interested in. I wish they had X, Y, Z. Guess what? God might have sent you here to start X, Y, Z group. Have you ever thought about that? He calls us to serve. Why don't you stand with me all over this place? I'm going to be honest with you. I used to beat myself up when people would leave the church. But I've learned over the years that I can't make people become disciples. Amen? You've got to want it as bad as we want it for you. And by the way, folks, that's the key phrase. If you want it. If you want it. Amen? I can't make you want to be in community. I can't show you how to do it but I can't point you in the right direction. And I've done that today. But at the end of the day, if you refuse to take those steps, it's up to you. Because hear me, we've all got excuses, right? We could all say, I just don't have time for a group. I don't have time to serve on a team. Folks, there's always going to be homework, always going to be house chores, always going to be extra work, always going to be your favorite TV show, Little League, Netflix binging. You can stay home and watch paint dry. You can go home and count the number of gravel you have in your driveway every day. There's always something to do. But the question is, is it important enough for me to make a life-changing connection? And I think the answer is yes. You know, one thing I love about January, it's the time we reset our lives, right, for many of us. New diet habits, new financial habits, new prayer habits, new devotional habits, new family habits, lots of things. You can really start a habit that can change your life this year by determining, I'm going to join a small group, or if this is my church home, I'm going to begin to serve on a team. Can everybody that's doing that clap your hands in agreement? Amen. And today, we're going to do the altar call a little different. Instead of me calling you forward, I'm just going to let you stand right where you are. Because I think the message facilitates that. And I just want you to pray right where you are as the praise team begins to sing. And I just want you to say, God, am I really looking out for my brother? Am I really looking out for my brother? I need need a fresh look at what groups and serving really are about. I thought it was just about what I want, what I need. But I recognize now that part of that is I'm looking out for other people as well. So right where you are, as the team begins to sing, I just want you to lift your hands and begin to say, God, I want you to show me what next steps I need to take. If I need to sign up for a group, 
if I need to begin to serve on a team, if I need to sign up in my community, but I'm not just going to settle my hands as a believer and not be an active part of the body of Christ. Amen. Can you agree with me on that? Amen. Let's worship with the band. Amen. The praise. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. God, I want to be part of the body. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. take a moment and share this with a friend. Be sure to join us 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. each week live as we celebrate Jesus together here at Life Church. God bless you.